Okay. Let's see what we have here. The first question is from, uh, uh, let's take Krishna Karnam first. He says, in the 30th chapter of the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the third verse describes the state of separation from Krishna achieved by the gopis. The verse reads as follows, quote, because the beloved gopis were absorbed in thoughts of their beloved Krishna, their bodies imitated his way of moving and smiling, his way of beholding them, his speech and his other distinctive features. Deeply immersed in thoughts of him and maddened by remembering his pastimes, they, de- they declared to one another, I am Krishna. And then Karnam, Krishna Karnam continues, also in the first canto, commenting on the first, uh, commenting on the verse in which Bhishma on his deathbed glorifies the exalted position of the gopis, Vishnava Chakrati Thakur, while explaining the Unmara state of the gopis, writes, quote, in that extreme state, some of them even merged with the Lord, end quote. For Advaitins like Vivekananda, this is the proof that bhakti is only a means to achieve union with the Absolute. So from our Gaudiya perspective, how should we understand such descriptions where the devotee in the highest state of love merges with the Lord? Thank you. Well, I think that that is very um, limited at best evidence to support an Advaitin conclusion. Um, and so also I would say is the um, case with other evidences that they may have um, um, underscored Statements like, for example, at the end of the Bhagavatam, um, in the end of the 12th canto, it's mentioned, uh, and Kaivalyam Ryojanam. The, the goal of this book is Kaivalyam. Ryojanam means a goal. Kaivalyam. Kaivalyam is a word that is uh, prominent in the Advaita, Advaitan school. Kaivalyam, and um, it means, uh, in a sense, one oneness. Um, so, you can take a statement like that, or statements from the the text um, that you that you mentioned, and um, make a case. Here's the evidence that the conclusion of this book here here at the end of the book. Here in the apex or the zenith of the book, the gopi's love is exalted and 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 and, and held to be, you know, the, the best example of of the highest example of love. And, and see what they're saying here um, that they become one um, with Krishna. Therefore, the Bhagavatam is an Advaitin text. Well, like I say, this is very very. Um, um, These are like to 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 use such statements, and that you know I mentioned one you mentioned and the other one uh, there's probably not a third one, um, 
make a case like this is a very, very weak case in comparison, for example, to the work of the uh, of the Sundarbas on the part of Jiva Goswami, um, on the part of uh, uh, Sanatana Goswami, the seminal commentator from the Gaudiya Sampradaya on the Bhagavatam, and all the other um, wealth of texts coming from the Gaudiyas uh, who are so uh, focused on the Bhagavatam in comparison to the Dwaitan school. I mean, it's not a main focus of the Dwaitans, and for good reason, because it doesn't lend itself to their conclusion in the way that other texts might, which become their main focus. And the Godis have taken those texts that the Dwaitans rely upon and shown how they can be interpreted from a Godia perspective in a way that's more credible in the way that the Dwaitans try to t- turn the Bhagavatam into the Dwaitan uh, texts. I take the last statement I mentioned from the 11th canto, Kaivalyam, Parojanam, Kaivalyam, Parojanam, something to that effect. Uh, how did Jiva Goswami um, interpret the word Kaivalyam? Well, it means oneness. He he has shown grammatically that, uh, I believe grammatically, that if not um, dynamically, the Kaivalyam means love. Love means um, to say, I love you, is to say you know nothing about love, because in love there is no other. Hmm? This is the kind of Radharani's perspective. You can get that from that kind of perspective from Prem Samput, for example, a book of Vishwana Chakwati Thakur. Um, um, so there is a kind of static idea of, of oneness, and a dynamic idea of oneness. I mean, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the really solution to the uh, attempt, if you will, on the part of Radha and Krishna to unite, which becomes problematic because the closer they come to one another, each starts to think from the other's point of view, and the duality remains. Mm -hmm. Suddenly Radha starts to feel like Krishna, and Krishna starts to feel like Radha. Uh, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, 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 is the solution to this. There is the real union of Radha and Krishna in, in the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the real, the, the full union of Radha and Krishna brings out the whole other leela, which is at the, at the same time as a, as an aside is very generous. And so we're able to enter into it. Um, so I think there's a dynamic, um, notion or idea of of oneness and of identifying with Krishna, um, that um, in those instances is supportive of the overall conclusion that the Gaudias, the Balavas, the, the uh, you know the Vaishnava Sampradaya um, em- embraces. <clears throat> Um, with a wealth, a wealth of support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you look at the balance, right, you get a couple of statements here. So is that going to turn the whole table? Uh, or, or should those statements be turned, you know, in light of the balance of weight and on the opposite side that is, that is, you know, um, considerable to put it, uh, mildly. Um, 
the statement that you mentioned, I believe that the Goswamis um, have commented on that particular absorption of the gopis in in thoughts of Krishna um, as a type of, I believe, a, a, a particular Sanchari Bhav. Hmm? Sanchari Bhavs are Bhavs that come and go, like if you love Krishna, in a romantic sense, like a gopi, that is your stayibhav, the self-defining, you know, and, and dominant, permanent emotion. Uh, but in the context of that, there may be pride may come sometimes, um, joy may come, um, um, and uh, so many other. There are thirty-three different sancharibhavs come and go, and they augment that stayibhav. So I believe they have. And I, I, I think I, if, you, if you look at my book, Aesthetic Vedanta, I've probably dealt with that there because I, it's more or less a commentary on the whole of the Ras Panchajai, the five chapters on Rasalila. And uh, I would imagine I've dealt with it there and identified uh, what uh, Sanchari Bhav or how they, the Goswamis have precisely um, identified that in such a way that it that it doesn't give support to an awaited conclusion. Now you can find a similar uh, statement in Gopal Tapani, I'm Gopal, I am Gopal. And, um, and that, I've commented on that text, and forgive me that I can't remember exactly. Um, um, what I've said there, or what I've cited there that others have said previous to charges, with regard to that kind of a statement, but overall, and you can you can look and find out. All of you should take the time to look at that uh, third verse from the Bhagavatam's thirtieth chapter, as it's represented in Static Vedanta. This is your homework for today. Then look inside of Gopal Tapani Upanishad in my commentary and see where it is mentioned. Am Gopal and how that is understood your homework um, and um, um, and again overall we are not uh, dualists like Madhva against the idea of oneness we, are, we, we embrace oneness and difference mm-hmm. And the independent, interpenetrative nature of both. We are Krishna. <laughs> We're his Shakti. We're one of his Shaktis. Manifestations of one of his Shaktis. So, his Shaktis are non different from him. So, I'm Krishna. I can say it in the context of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And I'm not Krishna at the same time. Now that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit between the ears. Therefore, it's, just, it's a metalogical, superlogical uh, perspective that does not try to, and this is Gaudiya Vaishnava, that does not try to take reality hmm, and fit it between the ears, but admits that it is beyond the ken of the intellect and of logic. Hmm. All other schools have tried to tweak it in such a way that it will fit 
Godas just said, well, we don't need to make it fit. Hmm? It's beyond that. Hmm? Everything's in Krishna. Krishna's in everything. Hmm? Everything's outside of Krishna at the same time. Why should we try to explain that away when it's so beautifully, that, that reality is so beautifully portrayed in leelas such as the Dhamma leela hmm? relative to this month? Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe. It's the month of Kartik, month of Dhamma Vaishnava, month of Dhamadar. Reminded of that leela where, um, uh, well, we're reminded of the Kumar leelas, the childhood leelas of Krishna, and uh, a prominent one of which is, of course, Mother is sort of looking in Krishna's mouth and seeing the whole world inside of him and looking at him and seeing him on her lap and the whole world outside of him at the same time. Uh, in the Dhamma Leela, of course, she tried to tie Krishna up with all the rope in the universe and it was two inches too short. So um, uh, this is another example of this super logical perspective that there's, this is the whole argument about existence and that there's oneness and difference, oneness and difference, duality, non-duality. And, uh, and love really is, is, is something that I tried to say I love you, but the words got in the way. What can be said about that? Hmm? And this is our teaching. This is nice that you brought it up on such a day. Uh, this month of Radhastami, just beginning of, of Kartik, dedicated to Radha, beginning as it did in my area here yesterday. Hmm? Um, love is the truth. Love is the reality. Hmm? And it, it, it doesn't make sense. It makes you crazy. Hmm? It makes you lose your senses, right? Love knows no reason. Hmm? So, uh, in love, I can say, I am you, and you can say, you are me, and we'll be right, and we'll be wrong at the same, at the same time. So all these polar opposites are, um, um, how you say, um, resolved, right? The whole world is full of this, these polar opposites, good, bad, happy, sad, uh, black and white, subjective, objective perspectives, and so on and so forth. Um, we don't try to do away with them, try to fit one inside the other, the other inside that one, and so forth. We acknowledge um, as it is, to use Prabhupada's uh, phrase. So I think, uh, again, overall, um, it is uh, uh, definitely an expression of love to fully identify oneself with the object of one's love. And this is a dynamic type of I am Krishna. Krishna and I are one. Just like I can say, uh, Gurnisht and I are one. You know, Sajan and I are one. Uh, Rohini Nandan and I are one. Gayatri Dasi and I, they're on my screen here. Kishore Krishna and I are one. Those are the ones I'm seeing. And everybody else, we're all one. <laughs> We're all one, but we're all, you know, individuals at the same time, right? So that's a dynamic way of, of applying that. And I think that, that, that is a, um, is, is a way of beautifying non-duality. So we're not, we're, we're, we're not, um, Advaitans. We're 
Advayans. Advaigyan Tattva, Advayans. So Advayan is, is a little bit different. And there we can find oneness and, and diversity at the same time. Shivopi Bhav Kijai. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. I had one thought. Let's see if it holds up or not. What I what came to my mind is that it makes so much sense that it's a Sanchari bar because if it was the final uh, attainment, like Vivekananda and those guys are saying, why would the gopis ever come back down from the sense that I'm Krishna? They'd always think that they're Krishna. Right. Right, <laughs> right afterwards, it's obvious that they're mad at Krishna. They're upset with Krishna. Right. They're chasing after him. He apologizes to them and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's a very, very flimsy uh, support uh, mm-hmm. such a perspective. Yeah. So you were talking about uh, the beginning of Kartik. So we have a couple of questions that are very similar, short questions about that. So I'll read them both at the same time. Right. Uh, the first question is from Raj Hari. He says, Srila Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Maharaj says that considering that Radharani is called Kartiki, in the sense that she is born from Kirtika, Kirtika, and that Kartik, pre- sorry, Kartik precedes Marga Sirsha, then the month Kartik has some reason to be conceived as representative of Radharani. Is there any reading to do this month that you can recommend, please, to explore this way of thinking about Kartik? So that's the first question. I, I'll ask the next question once you've answered this one. Margashirsha is the month, the following month, um, which is mentioned in the Gita. Just for those of you who aren't aware, um, obviously, is it Bhaihari who asked the question? Uh, Brajhari. Oh, Brajhari, I'm sorry. He's been reading my articles. I believe that sounds like something I wrote some time ago. Much appreciated. Um so Krishna says he's Margashirsha, so the month that precedes, this, this kind of some of the logic I was given in that article about um, uh, Kartik um, uh, per Pujapachira uh, Maharaj. So the month that precedes, the month, you know, we say Radha Krishna, so uh, Radha will be the month. If Krishna is Margashirsha, the month that precedes that month, which is Kartik, or the Dhamma month, that must uh, be Radha's month. Hmm? Um he gives the uh, uh, relationship between um, Kartik, the name of the month, and the mother, Kirtida of Radharani. He makes a connection there. I don't know precisely how he makes that connection grammatically, but uh, he was a Sanskritist, and I take his word on that. Um, so, um, um, um the question, I believe, is what other evidence is there to support the idea that the month of Kartik hmm, um, is Radha's month? What could I read about that? Hmm, uh, looking for more support. Um, of course, it's a nice question in one sense, but the support is overwhelming in terms of the whole Sampradaya and uh, um, other Sampradayas and um, large swaths of Hinduism um, look at this month in this way, particularly the Gaudias. Um, 
And I think the source material for um, the idea um, aside from those beautiful points raised by Pujapatrita Marsh is probably the, the Padma Purana. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there's a verse in the Padma Purana that uh, speaks about the glories of Radha uh, and about Radha Kund and so forth and so on and uh, identifies this month with her. Uh, I would, I'm quite sure that Jiva Goswami references that section of Padma Purana in his commentary in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So you have to look, I don't know the verse that uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, but um, it must be in the um, section concerning observances as an, as angas of Bhakti. Um, but there, uh, as I say, Jiva Goswami references Padma Purana and the virtues of observing uh, the Kartik um, month as a way of pleasing Radha. I believe it's the point is made there that so the logic is given that if you do a little bit in this month, like if you give water to somebody in the desert, that water means a lot more, even if it's only a drop than a gallon does, you know, on a, on a winter day somewhere, you know, uh, cold water, a drop of it in the desert is worth so much. A gallon of cold water in the winter is, you know, isn't worth anything uh, to us comparatively. So a little bit of service done in the month of Arctic, um, Radha goes a long way. Um, otherwise, I don't know, um, you know, who has reasoned on the basis of Shastra, who has exercised Shastra Yukti um, in the way that Pujapad Marsh has in any particular text to um, further emphasize or bring out the uh, connection between Radha and the month of Kartik. So we've got a seed of that, I believe, there in the Padma Purana. And uh, Puja Patridamarj is, is like, the, like, like you know, casting the sun of his insight on that, and it's fl- blossoming and flowering into other uh, statements. Is the, the, the bhava, the, the feeling that he has for his cause, and to you know, come up with those, those kinds of points. I haven't really seen any other treatment of the month of Kartik in any other text, um, even in, I don't think, well, there is there is something in, um, I should say, Hari Bhakti Vilas about how to observe and so forth, but that's, I don't think, exactly what you're looking for. So I hope, anyway, my rambling on that has been helpful in some way. What is the next part of the question or the other question? Okay, so the next question is by Madhavananda from Mayapur. He says, Dandavat Pranams, dear Gurudev. Regarding the month of Kartik, do you have any recommendations on practicing sadhana so that we can make the most spiritual advancement in this auspicious month? 
Well, um, you know, typically one makes a vow to increase their chanting, to read a chapter of the Gita or the Bhagavatam every day, or um, something along those lines. There are different uh, ideas about fasting and so on and so forth. It's probably better to, to do something positive hmm, rather than refraining from something, adding something uh, for the pleasure of Krishna. Um, and, you know, one should accept a a vow for the month of Kartik that one can follow with some effort. Hmm. If you make too big of a vow, you won't be able to follow it. So, Rupa Goswami cautions against that, also in Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu. Um, so, it's individual. Um, um, I wouldn't say there's any particular service, um, but um, as much as you individually give your heart to any service, um, if you want to, okay, for the pleasure of Radharani, you want to increase your chanting of the holy name, then, I mean, you can, you can, re- I, I think it would be helpful to reflect upon who Radha is um, and um, what she means to Krishna, what Krishna means to her. Um, and uh, hopefully these those kind of thoughts will, will come up in your heart as you chant. Um, so I would say, you know, you, 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 you make, there's one thing to just make about, okay, I'm going to read the Bhagavad Gita every day. That's good. You've done that. That's good. But now that obviously could be honed, right? If, if this is a month where a service to Radha is, is a huge, you know, boon. Um, it's like I say, giving, giving a drop of, giving cold water in the desert, you know, giving a drop. Um, then it may be good to, it would be good to focus a, a little bit, um, more. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I would recommend, for example, Read Prem Samput, a book I've recommended. I've never encountered a, a book that gives more insight into the nature of, of Radha than, uh, than Prem Samput. So I've said that before. I say it again for Kartikas. would be a good book for everyone to, uh, to study. Uh, something along those lines, I would suggest. Thank you very much. Do you know if the Prem Samput is available online, like for free as a PDF or something? I, I believe there is, it is online. I think that the Bhaktivedanta um, Narayan Maharaj, Shiva Narayan Maharaj, translated it into Hindi at the request of his Keshav Marsh, was I think disappearance days today or today or yesterday, an important day. And the sannyas guru of Prabhupada, I should mention, when he passed away, and that was, Prabhupada was notified of this, Prabhupada was in Seattle, it was in the early days of ISKCON, and he stopped everything, he wept, and he um, gave a eulogy, praising, uh, not a, yeah, a eulogy, praising um, uh, Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj, and addressed all of his devotees there. 
um, Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Goswami Maharaj Kijai. Um, but uh, at the end of the request of his Gurudev, I think he translated that into Hindi and subsequently it is available in English. Um, Prema Samput, you know, PDF, you should be able to find it. I think it's available on a site called purebhakti.com, which is a, a site put together for the, by the disciples of um, Srila Narayan Maharaj. Looks like Marangopal just posted the link from Pure Bhakti to Prem Samput. So. Prem Samput Kijai. It's a book by Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur. I look at it as like after the Rasa Leela, hmm, this, this took place. Krishna's trying to get further insight into how to understand the Bhav of Radha, which he's decided he has to, he has to do being the Rasika that he is. He has to taste it. He's very clever. So you'll see how he, very cleverly tries to get a get a closer understanding of the nature of Radha's Prem. Hmm? Radha Prem Kijai. All right. Well the next question is from Yanni. He's my dear and old friend from Finland. He's actually he was the first devotee I ever knew and he taught me how to chant the Maha Mantra. He gave me my first set of beats. So I'm really happy Yanni, that Yanni. Yeah, <laughs> very happy that Yanni is here. Yes, yes, he's my guru, my partner production guru. So he asks, does one's material psychology have any effect on how much one can surrender to the process of bhakti? Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, in this life, overall, you know, our surrender to Krishna is not dependent upon anything, but but um, you know we have uh, impediments uh, which are basically karma mm-hmm. and um, some karma is uh, stronger, more negative than others. So, in the context of uh, pursuing bhakti, well, that. Um, the uh, those effects have to be erased, right? Um, kind of what the way I look at your question, and it may not be exactly how you were thinking about it when you when you expressed it, but uh, asked it. But uh, if you say, um, okay, um, we're going to decorate your house, and there's two houses on the same block, and I come in and I say, okay, uh, let me give an estimate. Your house, uh, it's, it's, it's going to cost, you know, $50 for me to redecorate. And the neighbor's house is going to cost $100. And they're the same size, so same block. So the guy on the $100 you know, dollar charge is complaining, you know, well, why is it different? Well, because first I have to clean out your room, your house, of all the junk you've got everywhere. And then, you know, uh, they're not disconnected, but, but you've, you know, you've given me a bigger task. So, um, um, if someone is situated in Satpaguna and becomes, uh, affected by Sadhu Sangha from Vaishnavas, then it's going to catch on like fire in a dry, uh, forest. Mm-hmm. If it comes to, you know, to hippies from, you know, the sixties, it's going to take a little more time, you know, to catch, uh, to catch on fire. Um, uh, 
And this is mentioned in the Gita, in the seventh chapter, with a, with regard to the four types of people that Krishna says, surrender to me, those in pursuit of happiness, uh, those seeking to be free from distress, those who are searchers, those in, in knowledge, so the latter is already in knowledge. He, he, he's situated in Satvagun. You can you can know the difference between the self and the body. Okay, I don't just mean theoretically, but so you're in a better position to take advantage of bhakti. So anyone can surrender, but um, you know how that will take shape, what that will require, at what stage will be different. So in one sense, no. But in another sense, well, if you have a psychology that is um, getting in the way of your even functioning as a healthy human being, um, then, um, you know, a Thomasic and Rajasic kind of psychology, well, that's going to have to be dealt with, um, whereas with someone else it may not. So uh, it's not that it's going to bar you from being a surrendered soul. Now, now this is probably not exactly how you were, you were thinking about it. You're probably thinking you've got a particular psychology that, that doesn't let you surrender. <laughs> um, and is that a valid way of thinking? I would say no in that case. Uh, but and surrender, again, I guess is, is, is uh, something that we work on in sadhana bhakti mm-hmm. the whole there are three divisions of bhakti sadhana bhakti bhava bhakti and prema bhakti so sharanagati or surrender which is the outer expression of shraddha or one's faith mm-hmm. is the focus of sadhana bhakti mm-hmm. and sadhana bhakti is you know work in progress so anyone can take up sadhana bhakti all they need is a little faith mm-hmm. And then they cultivate the faith gradually by Sharanagati. Um, and uh, we have to find with good guidance the, the level at which, or the extent to which we can healthily apply ourselves that will be sustainable and progressive. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, well, we're, we're as surrendered in a sense, as somebody on a much higher level who's surrendering. You're giving your all in all, in other words, that you can give relative to your conditioning. That's the way I have to find. How I can give my all in all relative to my conditioning is with a view to, 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 to incrementally, that means in a sustainable way, move beyond it. So it's a very interesting kind of dynamic because you want to limit relative to your ability, but not let that become the norm and an excuse for not, you know, you have to step on the gas. It might be a little bit. Uh, it might be all the way to the floor. Um, you have to consider what you know, what's around you. If you step all the way to the floor, but you're in a school zone, well, that's going to be a problem. Where <laughs> uh, children are crossing. Um, so, you have to, with good help, good guidance, you have to assess the circumstance, which would include one psychology and so forth. I mean, there are different, there's two basic psychologies. In one sense, in bhakti, there's the, there's the householder psychology and there's the monastic 
psychology. Some some persons are um, psychologically um, prone towards a monastic type of life. They may not be the greatest monastics even, but they just that that, that uh, so. And then some are prone towards householder life, and uh, and they may not be the best householders either. But <laughs> so, but but both are valid. Hmm? Um, um, uh, um, positions in with or psychologists as I was talking about it, from which to proceed fully in bhakti, how that will play out, how the monk's surrender will show up is going to be different than how the householders shows up. Hmm. But each are going to be stepping on the gas nonetheless. Um, and it's not necessarily the case that a monk will step on the gas greater than a, than a householder. It doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but uh, in the way given the way I'm talking about it. So I, I don't think um, that, um, you know, <laughs> here's another way to think about it is you, you ask about surrender. What do you even, what does that even mean to you? Well, you know, it might mean I'll surrender and get initiated. That's the beginning. <laughs> it's not the end. <laughs> That's the beginning. Initiate means to begin. Huh? I mean, there's a beginning before that you know, to, to cultivate and qualify oneself. But so, uh, but uh, as I say, sharanagati or surrender, if it begin, if it's the beginning of bhakti, in that it's, it's the outer expression of faith, which gives one eligibility, and that sadhana bhakti takes us all the way up to the stage called asakti. Hmm. Now, these stages can be read about in my commentary on shikshastakam. Or um, in Vishwanathakur's uh, Madhuri Kadambini, it was you can see what does Sharanagati surrender mean in the stage of Ruchi, and what does it mean in the stage of 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 of, of um, Anartanibriti or Bhajanakriya. So, um, yeah, I think that you can you can surrender some. <laughs> a little more, a little more. Right. Follow the good example of your your student there, your Mishka, who still has a long way to go. All right, what else? Indeed, a long way to go. Okay, the next question is from. Let's see, Gayatri. Gayatri, are you married now? Actually, next weekend. Oh, okay. I knew it was coming sometime. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, I have two questions, if okay. I may be so greedy. And one of them is about our upcoming marriage. Uh-oh. I would just like to know if you have something to say. You know, what's a good meditation to have going into this engagement and this new ashram? Well, um, you ask, I'll give you an answer to start with that is um, to the question that was asked by a by a, a man who was about to get married. Mm-hmm. And he posed the question to Gorka Shardas Babaji Maharaj. Mm-hmm. And Babaji, Babaji Maharaj said, oh, very nice, because you're going to get married. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. Um and what advice can you give me, Babaji? 
He said, yes, very simple. You should think of your wife as a gopi. And he went on and on beautifully speaking about gopi bhav, which is just not at all what the guy was thinking of hearing. Because he has purusha bhav, which means I'm the male, I'm in charge, you know, uh, which is the bhav of material existence. We all think, you know, like, like that. But it comes a little bit more out in the alpha male in particular. It's more overt, if you will, right? Um, it's there, you know, and, and women too. But, uh, so, um, I'm not saying that your husband's an alpha male or, you know, but, but, but Babaji Marsh gave a very spiritual, um, answer. Um, so, um, so if the husband should think of the wife, as someone to serve, as, 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 as we want to serve the gopis, then the wife should think of the husband. And if they both think that way, then it won't be a problem. If we just say the wife should serve the husband, well, that might, especially in our present modern culture, that may not settle so well, especially with a Scandinavian lady like yourself. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me give you another, let's speak about it in another way, along the same lines. Um, and you're asking me, so this is what comes to my mind. So uh, there was a disciple of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu named, um, I think, Mukunda, and he had a son named Raghunandan. And um, he taught his son to worship the deity, offer food, offer boga. And so one day he went out and the wife went out and they left the Seva Puja to their son, uh, Raghunandan, who made the offering. And um, after he made the offering, um, the deity, he saw the deity eat a little bit and and so he took uh, some of the prasad. So when they came back, the parents said, what is this? His son has eaten. Hmm? And, and, and did he make the offering? He said, yeah, I made the offering, but the deity ate, you know, and they said, yeah, well, sure, you know, okay. So he was very upset. And then he said, all right, if it's the case, the deity, so the deity comes and eats when you make the offering, you see it. Okay. Well, then let's see, and cook again, make another offering. So he, he started cooking, making an offering, and the father started thinking, you know, should I take him seriously? You know, and then they made the offering, and the father then peeked behind the curtain, right? And so he, he understood his, his son was a very extraordinary devotee. Um, so later on, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, met with them. And he said, Raghunandan and Mukunda, he said, who is the father and who is the son? And Mukunda said, Raghunandan is the father. I am the son. And Mahaprabhu was very pleased. You understand? So whoever in a marriage is the best example of Krishna consciousness should be, we should follow. So you should follow one another. And sometimes it may be your husband and sometimes it may be you. Uh, so this is the way I think about that. I also think about marriage as a, a way to make progress 
in spiritual life for, for, for most people, um, in that it requires that we, uh, we have to make some sacrifices. We make a holy bond of marital bond and then, and then to live together, you have to make sacrifices, right? Um, really the monks are the enjoyers. <laughs> it's the opposite of the householders, but the monks are, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that, you know, uh, whatever, you know. So, but the householders, they have to worry about that. They have to make sacrifices uh, between one another. And of course, typically it's char- fairly characteristic of married life to have children. And then so many more sacrifices are there. So we have to look at these opportunities of sacrifices that present themselves as ways to grow, mm-hmm. grow uh, spiritually, because by giving, you know, we grow. And um, and I would advise you that, you know, that's what it's all about. It may look like it's about something else, but it's really about that. And that's what life's about. That's how we actually move forward progressively in life by giving, not by taking. And uh, and love, as I often say, is born from the womb of sacrifice. Right. So those are some things uh, to uh, to think about, um, and you can share them with your fiance, um, <laughs> and uh, I hope they'll fall on receptive ears um but yeah it's it's a great opportunity for 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 growth and and in a way to get through you know times in life youth um 20s your 30s and so forth that are um uh, that you could use support in times when you could when you stand on 50 50 years of experience, well, you know, you kind of got a lot of things figured out, you know, 50, 60, you got the support of experience, and it's considerable, right? When we're young, we think we know everything. Well, we don't. Uh, and uh, when we're old, we know we don't know very much, and and, and, and we know a lot older. So so in the younger years, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of support from another person, a significant other, if you will, is very, um, very um, helpful. So um, it was recommended by Bhakti Vinod, married life um, over renounced life, which he said should be accepted only if one attains bhava, once a a fellow uh, who was once a disciple of mine asked, isn't it any longer asked that how can we avoid these sannyasis falling down? I said, well, no one should take sannyasis, bhakti vinoda, until I attain bhava. Then there won't have any falling down. <laughs> Simple solution. But he didn't want to get married. He probably should have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and uh, so, uh, unfortunately, so, um, so Bhakti Vinod emphasized he was a good example of a household, an extraordinary example, hard one to follow, but there it is. So put a big picture of Bhakti Vinod somewhere in your house. 
and we're all followers, Iskon, Bodhiamath, all the other branches of Bhakti Vinod. Prabhupada said, My mission is the mission of Bhakti Vinod. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur taught his disciples to refer to their paribar, their lineage, as the Bhakti Vinod paribar, rather than the Nityananda paribar, Dvaita paribar, Gadadha paribar, and so forth. And he was a householder. Most devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were householders. Hmm? Gadadha Pandit was a Ransit, but not a Dvaita. Um, and uh, and Srivastakur, and, and so the majority of them were households. Prabhupada emphasizes this point. This is the power of bhakti that um, that it can function effectively in in that situation that gyan, for example, won't manifest in, in in a household life where you even having children and so on and so forth. Um, that's for contemplative life. But bhakti is the power to be efficacious, even in that situation, and bring about inner contemplative life. One has to think. Husband has to think, a wife has to think, I need this other person in my life emotionally to feel whole so that I don't have these all these thoughts and feelings of that, that need that get in the way of my practice hmm, of spiritual life. I really want to love Krishna, but uh, I have this other baggage. Hmm? And, uh, and, and, and so, um, I need a husband hmm, to feel whole and get the, and then retire all those the energy I'm spending on that, looking for that, and so forth, fantasizing about it or, or whatever, getting it and getting to work with what it what it means. I need that um, so that so that that energy can was previously spent worrying about that, thinking about that, looking for the that can be spent in, in Krishna consciousness. And I may need children also. Hmm? Women in particular, you know, they, they can bear children, and that's a huge part of their whole, you know, biology and uh, psychology and so forth. And we're fortunate that, that a wisdom path, an esoteric path like bhakti, hmm, for mystics, you know, can be fully embraced in a householder ashram with kids, so forth, with children. So, you know, one may have a need for that. Many men also have a need for, want to have a son or a daughter. And, and when people get together and, and, and love one another, then there's a way in which they want to, you know, uh, kind of come together, so to speak. You and I come together and something else comes out, you know. A little crude, but I didn't mean it like that, but that it does work like that. Something else comes out and it's us, you know, in another form, you know. Yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, it's true. Um, but of course he has his own karma. She has her own daughter and son. And so that's a whole other way of looking at it, right? Which is important too. But anyway, that desire is there. So you may think, I need a husband. I need to have a child or two or three. Mm-hmm. If you're a Catholic, it could be 10, you know, when we were kids. So I, I, I need it. I, I need that to feel whole. And so these are then in that perspective, my husband, my children, these are things that Krishna has provided for me that I need in order to serve him. So they're worshipable. 
so I have this worshipable attitude towards them and so forth. That doesn't mean I don't tell my children, no, don't do that. That's how you worship them. <laughs> no, don't do that. This is not right, you know. And then sometimes you hug them and kiss them and tell them very good and so forth. So you can fully give yourself to your husband. You can fully give yourself in love to to your children. But this is the other broader picture in which all that has to be framed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is uh, because I have that husband and that's helping me. Therefore, I see him as a, as, 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 as something that Krishna has sent to help me. That, and that's worshipable. And I'm, I'm grateful with all the trouble that goes with it. You know, <laughs> that's also there, but, but, but still I need it. And I, and I, and you know, unless, I mean, the relationship for some reason becomes very abusive, which happens at times, but shouldn't, you know, for devotees, if they keep what I'm saying in mind, then it should be, you know, a bond, you know, um, for, um, for, for, for life. And, and, and one should not think the magic is gone. And look for the magic somewhere else because it's only magic. It's not real. That infatuation, right? So infatuation will wear off. Therefore, married life, which is Especially in Kali Yuga, it's a Gandharva marriage, so it means it's based on affection only, which Krishna says is the best kind of marriage, Vedic marriage, incidentally. Yeah. And he told that to the gopis during the, the, um, Gopi Bastaharanalila when he stole their clothes. He says it in Mahabharata also. Uh, based on infatuation, that, you know, forms a bond, right? that exceeds any other bond that other reasons for marrying astrological charts line up and families and so on and so forth um, should turn into, you know, an affectionate bond. But the affectionate bond of married life that is sustainable and sustains a marriage really is friendship. So love and infatuation turns into, into friendship and being honest with one another uh, entirely and so forth, which is characteristic of, of friendship, just like parental love turns into friendship if it's to endure. You, know, you can't keep treat, treating your 50 year old son as, 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 as a child, right? You can become friends. Hmm? Virtues of a friendly life are many. Yeah, so these are some thoughts. I hope that's helpful. Wait, what, was your, what was your second question? Do we have time for that? It's 12.30. What is it? So <clears throat> I have a friend that recently um, took to the practice of Christianity. And I was just curious to hear what made him convert. And um, he was sharing with me experience that he had of um, a divine light of love um, entering into him. And he felt the cross lifting him up and I'm just curious to know what is that divine light and how is it expressing itself in that way to him? If it's Krishna, if it were, I just don't understand the experience. Well, I don't either. Um, probably you're not the best person to explain it. Um, but he is or she is. And, um, 
and who knows, it could be imagination, it could be something significant and, and substantial. We say that God has many faces, Asankhya, so in different ways he may re- respond. Um, there may be any any number of other reasons that did he convert from Krishna consciousness to, to Christianity, from Gaudi Vaishnavism? No, or no. He was just not faithful at all, and then... Yeah. Well, it, people also tend to convert from a an agnostic or an atheistic position to a spiritual position in ways that conform with their cultural upbringing and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go to Hinduism out of Western culture is 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 more out of the out of the out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably um, represents a more significant type of commitment and understanding mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm than to uh, turn to one's own tradition and convert and so forth. That, that's that's how I feel about it. It's a big topic. I don't think we can deal with it comprehensively here. Um, but it'd be happy for people. You know, they have some um, experience. You know, how can you explain religious experiences? like trying to explain love. I can tell you I feel waves of ecstasy, um, what, you know, if you don't have any ecstasy, what does it mean? It's like, a, like a, you feel like you're drowning or, or, or you're surfing or, or, or what is it? You know, so, um, uh, so we're happy that, uh, you know, such a person, uh, came to, uh, a spiritual outlook in life and we should be supportive of it. So I, I could say more probably, but it is out of, we're out of time, and uh, and it's a little vague your explanation of this experience. But I thank you all, and um, again, it's the month of Kartik, so it ends on the next full moon. Everyone should try to observe it and take advantage of this opportunity to make progress. I'll be with you next week. Or Premanande. Sagaram Raj, Kijai.